Welcome to the Life Adventure Podcast, where we explore everything related to making digital transformations. As a full-service development firm, we bring over a decade of experience to taking businesses from concept to product for whatever their software needs. Subscribe to hear more talks and tips on how to transform your business today. Dan, welcome to the Ventura Podcast. Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, it's good to hear from you. It's good to uh, finally be back in the, the studio and uh, launching our first episode here. Um, so in light of the recent events with the shutdown and the coronavirus and the way that, you know, a lot of our economy has had to transition, we wanted to get started by doing a quick episode on the future of online education. Just for anybody out there, uh, whether you're in education or in a related field, or maybe you're even a student, and you're trying to figure out what the education field is going to look like going forward now that we've been through this transition. Um, so Dan, I've got some questions for you today uh, on that topic, and we're just going to go through it and uh, see if we can help people make a little bit of sense about what to expect from the future of online education. That sounds good. All right. So right up here, uh, starting off, what does digital transformation in online learning look like? Well, as we know, online learning has been around for a while. And education um, in its various levels used it in different capacities. I think with the recent uh, pandemic, and kind of caught a lot of people off guard. And I think online education was primarily used for non-traditional students, maybe some graduate programs at the college level. And since all the schools were shut down with COVID-19, I think the group that was probably most impacted at this point was the K through 12, because now all of a sudden you've got five-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 16-year-olds that were forced to do all of their learning online. And a lot of those teachers weren't really prepared for that. A lot of the schools weren't prepared for that. And so I think moving in that space going forward is really what we have to address today. Okay. So you think that focusing on the, the K through 12 component of it is going to be the next stage? I think that'll be probably the most important because they probably were the least prepared. I think colleges will expand their menu and their services in that space. But I think K through 12 is probably the one that was caught off guard the most. And if we continue to have these lockdowns in the future, uh, that's going to be, have to be a, a more of a, a useful tool for them to use. Yeah. So a lot of the universities uh, were obviously already doing a lot of online learning before this. Right. This has sort of accelerated that transition. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you there that I think, you know, obviously the primary schools were not prepared for this. Right. Uh, or at least most of them. So. Uh, let's get into then what are some of the benefits of online learning? How can it, how is it, uh, you know, improve upon sort of traditional learning methods? Right. Well, once again, going back to the COVID and the lockdown is it allows you to learn from remote locations. So uh, people that might not have access to transportation or people that don't want to go commute to school can learn from home. So that's obviously a benefit. It saves you on time. It can save you on some money cost. It can be uh, a cheaper alternative than traditional school. We've all heard about how the rising cost of college has made it prohibitive for some students. Online education can offer a cheaper alternative. Um, so those are some really good examples. Another good example is the subject matter. So you have access to the internet so you can teach on a very broad range of topics and subjects where um, universities might be 
uh, narrowed on what they can offer as, as far as subject matter. So those are just a couple. I mean, there's there's numerous benefits, and also some of those benefits can also be detriments, right? Yeah. So let's get into some of the downsides. Right. So accessibility, you can have access to home, but there's some people that don't have internet access at home, or maybe they don't have a, a good enough computer system uh, to make that a, a viable option for them. Maybe their resources are limited. So yeah, maybe maybe for some of the kids, uh, you know, the most disadvantaged kids, maybe they're too distracted at home. Right. You know, if they're living with a lot of people, if there's a lot of noise, a lot of disruption going on in the household. Um, it might be hard for them to learn without having that space away from home to go sit down and have peace and quiet. Well, I, I know from my experience alone, just working from home is we had three kids at home working on their computer and, and I was working on my computer. So your Internet's really getting tapped mm. when you when you have three or four people, sometimes five people drawing off the same internet and trying to get work done and you can't have some complications in that arena as well, sure. Yeah, and so given the, the benefits and the downsides, we talked a little bit about how it might um, affect students, uh, but you know, whenever there's a large you know, transition in the business model, which is really what this is, right? Uh, there are going to be winners and losers. So who are some of the winners you see in this? Um, I think some of the major universities will really try to expand on this new venue for learning. Um, they will be able to accept more students because they will have more students online. They won't have them necessarily on campus, in the dorms, in the classroom. And so they can probably expand their enrollment a little bit. And they'll have the financial resources to provide more high data online education platforms. Um, Non-traditional students, I think, will still benefit from this uh, new wave because I think that the delivery model is going to be improved as innovators come into this space and they try to make this delivery model more accessible and more productive so they're getting better results. So I think that non-traditional students will also benefit from this. Yeah, and uh, in terms of uh, like the... Uh, the institutions themselves. Do you think some of the some of the schools might might not make it through this transition? Do you think they're going to adapt? How do you think see that playing out? Yeah, I, I think enrollment in general for universities has been on a decline over the last several years, and I think that this is going to accelerate that. And online education, especially through this pandemic, has really shown people that hey. I can get on a, a webcast and I can learn from an MIT professor sitting in my living room. Why do I have to go out to Boston and pay a ridiculous amount of money to get the same information and the same tutorial? So um, I think that a lot of smaller schools are really going to struggle to keep enrollment going as more and more kids look for less expensive alternatives to get information and to get education. Yeah, you know, I'm actually I'm pulling up some stats here from this website called educationdata.org. And they've said that among high school seniors who are intending to enroll in a four year institution in fall of 2020, before March 1st and COVID-19, nearly a third, nearly a third indicated that COVID-19 was influencing their college choice. And 53%, more than half, indicated that their family's financial situation had been affected because of COVID-19. Wow. So whether or not families can even afford to send their kids to school in the fall right. is going to be affected by this. Right. You know, and that means many students are going to choose alternatives. Well, in, in the universities, they have a profit model, right? You know, they're not doing this for free. They get state funding and they get tuition. 
Well, if a student is going to go away to a four-year university and they're looking at a tab of twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars for a state university, and now the university is saying, "Well, half your classes are going to be online," the student's going to say, "Well, am I going to get a break on my tuition? Am I going to get some kind of price cut? Why am I paying a full full boat for an education when I'm going to be doing most of my classes remotely or online?" So, if the universities are going to want to continue to attract the top talent and get those kids on campus, are they going to have to restructure their pricing model once again to be profitable going forward? And, and to your point too, I think a lot of people are reading that a lot of students need the in-class education. They find it's much more beneficial for a number of reasons, socially interacting with teachers and other students. Uh, there are some numerous benefits to actually being in a classroom I think you're going to look for online classes when it's just not a viable option or if there are certain courses that are just easier to take online. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely getting into some of the unsolved problems of, of the space. Right? right. It's not like just because we're being forced to make this transition doesn't mean everything has been figured out exactly. Right. Um, I think you mentioned earlier already the student retention is a big problem uh, in this space. What are some other issues with it? Well, a big thing is what if you're in a subject matter that requires a lab? So you're in a science class. Science Right. You're, you're not going to be setting up a lab in your basement. You know, you, you know what if you're in band? Uh, you know, you need to work with other people in the band. You can't just be doing a solo in your basement. So, so co-curriculars. Too. Right. Yeah. Anything in the arts, dance, um, anything where, especially if you need a, immediate feedback on what you're doing to make sure you're doing it correctly. Uh, because I think with most online classes, there's no way they're going to be able to do a one-on-one. -on -one. It's going to be more group setting or you know self-study where you're doing it on your own schedule. So once again, that's another issue with teachers. You know what is going to be their availability or accessibility? Because you're going to have students that are going to be doing their work on their time, which could be any time of the day. Are their teachers going to be accessible for certain times? You know if they get caught with a problem, are they gonna have access to that teacher or some kind of resource immediately to get some clarification on a subject matter? Yeah, and, and so for those of you who might be listening, uh, you know, here at Ventura, we, we build, we do digital transformations and we build, you know, mobile and web applications for our clients. Uh, and one of the things that I enjoy about, you know, being part of this company is that we didn't, this didn't really catch us all that off guard. We've actually been in this space for years. Right. Um, so do you want to get into some examples of the clients or products that Ventura has made in this space? Sure. We've uh, Education has really been one of our strong suits as far as industries that we've worked in. And we've worked with some of those largest universities in the country. We've worked with Michigan State University, University of Michigan. Uh, we've built out internet sites and educational platforms. Um, WonderCert is one of our product partners that we work with, and they offer credentialing, which is another use for online education. Um, so there's a number of different areas that we've worked in um, in the online platforms, uh, providing educational material. Yeah, so like credentialing is uh, usually done in the form of like badges, right? Correct. And so that's an interesting way to give, uh, you know, to verify that someone has learned something in a sort of non-traditional way that doesn't require them to get a full diploma. Exactly. You know, like imagine if, so I recently graduated, imagine if my degree, instead of it just being this one piece of paper that I get, 
was actually like a whole bunch of skills that I had been marked off as learning. You know, I took Calc 2, so therefore I have the calculus badge. And, you know, I took this class, and so now I have the, the whatever badge. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like Boy Scouts <laughs> for school. But, um, you know, we've got applications that do that. And I think, you know, getting the accreditation issue sorted out in the online space is going to involve a lot of that. For like sure. Breaking down, like, okay, what's the actual value of this course? Is there a real skill there that I'm pulling out of it? And can we verify that with a with a badge or something. Right. Um, well, I, and I think credentialing too even goes on to not necessarily non-traditional students, but even employees in the workforce, right? A lot of your occupations now are going to require continuing education mm-hmm. and getting certified for certain uh, projects or certain duties within your job. So having that robust online certification uh, credentialing um, platform is also going to be very important, not only for schools and education, but even employers going forward. Yeah. And, you know, to stay competitive in an increasingly global economy, everyone's going to have to keep upgrading their skills. Right. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling the, the technology uh, innovations that we've had over the last 30 to 40 years. And yet they say over the next five to 10 years, it's going to be more than double that. So hard to kind of comprehend or put your head around or wrap your arms around how technology is going to impact our life going forward. But it's certainly moving at a very fast pace. And situations that we've gone through this year have only accelerated that and really shown the importance of having that online education and and, uh, technology in place. So I've got a wild card question for you here, Daniel. Um, I always like to make it, you know, a little bit personal just to throw in some spontaneity here. You've got kids, and right. your kids are going through the education uh, system, whether that's uh, in you know primary or secondary or post secondary. Um, how has this changed your view on your own your own kids' education? What you, what you're hoping for for them? Yeah, it's you know I personally think that especially for young adults entering college that the college experience is really key. Um, just as they grow as young adults, there, there's certainly the educational aspect, but there's the social aspect, moving away from home, being on your own, being responsible, getting up in time, completing your work on time, not having mom or dad there, you know, waking you up in the morning and making sure you're brushing your teeth and, and doing those certain things, you know, as, as the kids like to say, adulting, mm-hmm. you know, they, they want to be treated as a grown up and they need to act as a grown up. So. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, they get to experience a, a lot of those benefits of, of being on your own and, you know, exploring new things and groups and organizations and going off to college. But I do know as, as a parent of a college age students, you know, a lot of us are concerned with the cost and it's been going up, you know, 1400 percent over the last 10 years. I mean, it's just it's almost ridiculous when you think about the cost of some of the colleges now. And it is prohibitive for a lot of kids, and especially when you know they're going away to school and they're being taught by a teacher's assistant. And they're not even having a professor in the classroom because they're out doing research, right? So, you know, you want them to get a good education. You want them to get a good learnable skill that they can parlay into a career. Uh, we've also heard that complaint over the last number of years that a lot of college graduates don't have a skill set that's going to get them a good job. Right. They've got the experience. They had fun in college and they got a piece of paper, but they're not sure what they want to do with that piece of paper. And they don't 
find it easy to get a good job that they can grow in and something they're going to be passionate about. So I think, you know, online education, once again, it might give them access to some more diverse subject matter where they can find something that they really have a passion about and then they can parlay that into a, a long, successful career. So if I'm, a, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm trying to thinking about moving into this space, or maybe I'm an existing institution and I've been, you know, since March or April uh, making, you know, my entire business model and everything I do, uh, you know, re revamped to do online education. Uh, how can I get started? How can I get started on making that transition, moving to a platform, perhaps building one out on my own? Sure, sure. So, you know, the best thing is just to get a hold of us, contact us, and we'd be glad to have a consultation with you. Uh, we can be reached at uh, danadventurate.com. Our, our website is venturit.com. Uh, but you can certainly reach out to us and we'd be glad to sit down and have a consultation with you. Talk about your idea. Look at your existing platform. If you don't have one in place, but you want to build one out, we can show you some examples of some products that we've worked on. Uh, we've recently built out a really neat uh, product. It's called Owl's Nest, which is based on educational platforms. And it's really going to provide you a menu of services and, and features and then you can kind of pick what you want on your platform. So it's really gonna make it easy, but you can see some of the products and projects that we've worked on in the past and maybe how that can be used in your area or in your particular industry. Yeah, so we've got a, a glowing portfolio of projects that we've worked on in the past. We've got a new hybrid platform uh, that's you know trying to handle both student learning and employee you know, training and certification. Uh, and we'd be you know, more than thrilled to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, please do give us a call. Go to our website. Uh, we're here to help. It doesn't cost anything to talk to us. And if uh, the idea is viable and it makes sense, we'd love to work on it with you and, and build it to fruition. All right, Dan. Well, thanks for giving us this update on the future of online education. I'll see you next time. Sounds great, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Adventure at Podcast. We appreciate our audience and clients for their continued support. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends and family. For more information on our services and upcoming episodes, please visit us at ventureit.com as well as our other social media channels. Talk to you soon.